Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Gregory Melville and Susan Fox and Kathleen Bromage. You're about to hear a favorite from the Faith Middleton Food Schmooze archive. This show originally aired in 2017. I got that sunshine in my pocket. Got that good soul in my feet. I feel that hot blood in my body when it drops. It's great to have you joining the party on the Faith Middleton Food Schmooze, inviting you to eat, drink, and be merry with us. Our special guest is John Finn, author of The Perfect Omelette, and we love eggs for any meal on the show, as you probably know. And we're asking you to get ready for a Persian eggplant omelette, a prosciutto parmesan and rosemary omelette. We have a good wine discovery for you and a tip for soaking salmon before putting it on the grill or in the pan. It will make a huge difference. Okay, my food buddies are here. Alex Province, wine broker in Hartford. Robin Doyen Aiken, senior producer. Chris Prosperi of Metro Beast Restaurant in Simsbury, Connecticut. And of course, John, the man we refer to as Renaissance Guy. <laughs> okay, can we do fish discovery? Yeah. I, I have a feeling I'm talking to the right people because I just discovered porgy oh. <laughs> now oh, new england fishermen call it scup but Scuppies. you know the those of us i love to fish but i don't mm-hmm. call it that i call it porgy it's bony but i'm in love with it i always mm-hmm. ask somebody else to bone it who knows what they're doing whether it's the restaurant or the fish market it is so delicious delicious I've we smoke it. it it's really inexpensive it's abundant you get a yeah. ton of it around here alex probably catches them yeah, I'd be afraid. <laughs> I'm still going for fluke. Yeah, <laughs> but they're they're an abundant around here. You can catch them like all day long. Well, they yeah. run through. I would say probably mid October, the end of October. I think. Do you ever catch them, Alex? Yeah, I on? see. It's one of those fish that everyone seems to be trying to catch off the docks and trying to catch like on little boats in you know the mouths of rivers and you know all over Long Island Sound. And I bet it's difficult to clean because you want to. Keep the bones, you know, fillet it just right so you can get the bones out. So I'd be handing it over to somebody else in this case. I always say cook it first, bone it after if you're eating it at home, right? Once it's cooked all the way through, the bones and the bones just pop Pop right out. out. Oh, so after it's yeah. cooked, right? It's hard to bone a fish when it's raw, but once once it's fully cooked, because what I do at the restaurant is I hot smoke them, and then we just take the meat and chunk it up into little pieces and make like a little salad out of it. It is so tasty, but. Mm. Once it's cooked and smoked, I just take them with my fingers and I pull the bones right out. So if you put this in a little, if you know how to do tempura, you're, yeah. it is so delicious. But if you are just going to just fry it in a little olive oil, what, yeah. how would we describe just tender, white, mm, sweet, yeah. Yeah. very sweet, sweet meat? Sweet. Small sweet. flakes. It reminds me how yeah, they cook it in easy. Spain, just like lightly flour it and really hot olive oil with the bones and then... 
on your plate, you just gingerly with your fingers, you can just sort of pull the meat off. Yeah. And the bones, I think, give it flavor and moisture. Yeah, that's why I say leave the bones in and cook it them. on the bone. Just don't eat them. Yeah, just don't eat them. And just, like I said, and pull, you can do this before you take them to the table, right? Cook them and then bone them and then put them on a little platter. You can even give them a little, another little heat in the oven to warm them back up. And then you don't even have to worry about the bones well, with any fish, I think. It's yeah. true. That, you know, maybe they'll be a little bit more flavorful because of the bones, but I so don't want bones in yeah. <laughs> I'm asking my fish market to do it, so you shouldn't be afraid. Um, okay, you want to do one more fish thing? Because yeah, totally. this is this idea of brining fish. When we talk about turkeys and doing that, everybody's eyes roll back in their heads. It seems so complicated, right? I am talking about instant brining probably 10 minutes in a little bit of salt water for your salmon fillets. We talked about this Mm -hmm. earlier, but we're getting salmon again to put on the grill right now, feeling like we're celebrating summer before it disappears. And so the idea is five tablespoons of salt in two quarts of water. And then you put your fillets in and just let them sit there for about 10 minutes. Dry them with a paper towel and then cook them any way you want. So it just adds more flavor? Oh, mm-hmm. it adds a little bit of the briny feeling, but it stays so moist. Mm-hmm. What do you think, John? Would you? Well, I'd love to do that, but I'd also like to try it in a vegetable stock, too. I think it would be wonderful just to salt the vegetable stock a little bit and <gasps> give it a little additional flavor. What but, a good idea. Do you have a store-bought vegetable stock you like, or you make your own? No, I prefer to make my own. It's so easy, and I've always got discarded vegetables lying around the so kitchen. So I've got do? scraps. How do you do it? I, I usually just take whatever I have discarded, although you have to be careful not to overwhelm with one particular vegetable, and I always do that. For some reason, I have leftover carrots. And there's a difference between a good vegetable stock and a carrot stock. Nobody really wants yeah. a carrot stock. <laughs> that's, that's a bad idea. So you throw a, a bunch of vegetables in together. Throw them in a pot with some water, and I just let them sit for 20 minutes on a low simmer. And it, no it, garlic. I might put garlic in. It's, it's, I don't really have a standard recipe, right? It's just whatever I see in front of me. No white wine. A little bit of white wine and peppercorns. Okay. I don't know why, but I have to put sure. peppercorns in everything. Well, so that I'm, sounds I'm good. thinking in that stock you'd throw in a handful of dill. Oh, I dill love dill and salmon. For salmon. Dill would be fantastic. Mm. That's great. Wow. So this is simple. Then you mm. would add in the salt and brine it in that. And w- yeah. Chris, what would that do if you had it both in the vegetable stock and with the briny, salty? Well, yeah, what happens is it draws moisture out and then draws moisture back mm-hmm. in. And when it draws the moisture back in, it's going to bring in that vegetable stock and the, those vegetable yeah. flavors along with the salt. Well, okay, well, I think it's, and it does make it easier to grill and sear, right? Because you have that little dry skin once you dry it with a paper towel. You have that little pellicle on top that will help it sear, and it will help it from not sticking on the grill. Do you too. oil it again, a little olive oil? You don't have to. Yeah. No. Yeah. You're hearing from uh, not only Chris and Alex, but John Finn, who is our special guest and is author of this book we love. It's called The Perfect omelet and this is a man who knows how to make it chris just made one of his omelets for us and it is i said to chris this is the best omelet i've ever had in my life and i've had some omelets (laughs) we love eggs for every meal we're going to get to that in just a minute so um can we do this idea of a no cook pasta sauce oh now of course pesto 
is that. But mm-hmm. that's not yeah. what I'm talking about. I'm a tomato-based, oh, no-cook yeah. pasta sauce. Chris, I've used how them would before. you? It can oh. be so simple. How would you do yours? I chop fresh tomatoes, especially now. You yeah. chop them? Yeah, I chop them. A quarter? A bu- no, I like big chunks, like one-inch pieces. I like big pieces. And I take them and put them in a bowl. And then I put it in fresh basil, extra virgin olive oil, like a good glug-glug so it gets nice and marinated. And then salt and pepper. And then I just let that sit for, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes. And then now it's coming up to room temperature. I cook my pasta. And then when I drain my pasta, I just take it and put it in the bowl with the tomatoes. And then at the end, I just throw in little chunks of mozzarella cheese. Dried oregano? No, nothing. I just do fresh basil. Oh, my gosh. Because it's raw, right? I don't like using dry, like oregano and stuff when I'm not cooking. Because you're going to taste it. Yeah, and it's just, and you're going to do a raw sauce. You want all your flavors to be fresh. Mm. Have you tried it with a flavored vinegar, too? Because I mean, that that might be very good. Nice. Yeah, a Wait, little acidity. Are you, you thinking of a balsamic? Yeah. Well, it could be a balsamic, but it doesn't have to be anything as overpowering as balsamic. His you friend, mean like uh, a sherry Spanish It could be sherry a sherry vinegar? or Spanish or even an Amontillado or something. Something uh-huh. that would give it just a little bit of flavor. So one of the fresh pastas I like to do would be, and I shied away from this because I thought, who wants to grate tomatoes? Until I met Alex and understood what his family does in Spain where they, they grate tomatoes mm. on a piece of bread. Oh. Um, to get the the tomato and the juice to soak into the bread, which sounded so incredible to me. So I take beefsteak tomatoes and just rub them up against a grater. Sometimes the skin falls off and I just toss it out and just grate, 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 throw in a little bit of garlic and some olive oil and Chris your fresh basil so yeah. our recipes are essentially the same yeah. mine is the grated, grated and yours is the chunked chunk. yeah. and then cook do the same thing yeah. cook up the pasta yeah. and then I too grate a little bit of cheese on the top yeah. and you just toss 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 that whole thing Heaven. together on occasion and the, John will probably approve of this I just do a little sprinkle of hot pepper ooh, yeah. ooh give it a buzz okay, yeah. he likes yeah. that like okay. I knew he would like that <laughs> But so, this time of year is the time to do this, oh, right? You have oh, fresh yeah. tomatoes. It's hot out. And this is more like room temperature because it's really the heat of the cooked pasta that gets it all going, right? I'm but, thinking mm-hmm. um, even if you're going to add a little spice to the Italian spicy green peppers, you know, those might give the a little... pepperoncini? Yeah. yeah sure. Yeah. That's a, a good crunch idea. and a little wonderful. heat, yeah, right? that'd be wonderful. And now, mm. of course, I want to start doing the, the pre-cooked chorizo. Oh. Oh, yeah. Oh, you can no. take this anywhere. No, I'm ready to have some yeah, fun. Yeah, you can take this anywhere. Now let's cook it. <laughs> Left it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's, uh, definitely. Let's cook it. Um, okay, so do you want to get to omelets in just a minute? Let's do our wine, and then let's turn to these omelets. We want to spend a little bit of time, from time to time, focusing on our regional wineries who are either growing their own grapes or bringing them in or mixing them with their own grapes and other grapes. We just want to support our local people. So from time to time, you're going to see us focusing on some local wine. And so we have one we like very much, thanks to Alex, from Jonathan Edwards Winery. This is the 2015 uh, Chardonnay, and they're in North Stonington. Alex, what would you say? So Jonathan Edwards was founded in 2000. They actually have a relationship with the West Coast. So they do West Coast wines that they make in California and East Coast wines that they, you know, make in North Stonington. This is the Connecticut Estate Bottled Chardonnay. Mm -hmm. So all the grapes are coming from a hillside. And I thought it was fun with the buttery, eggy omelet, you know, playing off that buttery note. It's seven months of French barrel. So when you smell the wine... 
But when you taste it, it's very crisp, isn't it? Like it has a, mm-hmm. like something out of sh- Chablis, maybe. I like this wine. And we're going to get to this issue of price when it's a local wine. Chris, go yeah, ahead. But I li- you know what I love about these wines? I like drinking them there. I don't yeah. know if you go to these oh, places sometimes. They're where, beautiful. But this is where you get this bottle. You're at Jonathan Edwards Vineyard. You sit down somewhere on a blanket or a picnic table in the summer, right? And you drink the wine there. And maybe you have a little cheese and crackers yeah. or whatever. And you really look around and start feeling like this is from here. And you and can go anytime. Exp- oh, all the go vineyards any time now. of year. Yeah, all the vineyards have places you can get a can, bottle can, and just sit and drink Really, it's it. true. So I mean, let, part of yeah. the beauty is a vineyard. Let's describe what this wine tastes like. So this Chardonnay has a note. It's not hitting you over the head with butter. It has a note of butter. It has wonderful acidity. So it's mm-hmm. going to go with both lobster and other kinds of fish and chicken. Mm. Um, Alex, what we little minerality. Yeah, from- it's like a white burgundy. It you know when you put it in your mouth and you move your tongue around, it has a thickness to it like like you'd expect from Chardonnay. But then you get like a salvation that you get from you know acidity. I'm so tasting it's brightness. It. Mm-hmm. And then you know, as you swallow mm. it, oh, it's a nice mm. nice wine. Very nice, nicely made wine. So this is at our website foodschmooze.org. And what's the price on this? Twenty three to twenty five. So. This gets us into this issue of what premium, as John, you were saying, what premium are you willing to pay a little bit more for a locally produced wine? How do you think of it? I think it's really important to support local producers in this way, but it does require that you make an investment of sorts, right? They're making an investment in the local economy, in the local communities in which they live. And if we're going to support them, then we need to make that same kind of investment. I think it's worth a little bit, but there is a price point at which people are going to flock, I think, to to something else that they can get. And also that's more reliable, right? Only a certain kind of wine drinker is going to be interested in doing this kind of exploration. Yeah. You know, having said that, the vineyards are getting better and better, but I think what you're saying is sensible, and we we are cheering for every one of our vineyards, I'm telling you that. So very nicely done, Jonathan Edwards, at our website, tell you what to say, picture of the label at foodschmooze.org. You know how schmooze is spelled. <laughs> S-C-H like school. M-O-O, like the cows, Mm. V-E. People remember it that way. Okay. I want to say, too, that I like to have a Connecticut wine if I am having out-of-state guests because I want to show them kind of like what my state has, and that's when I think it's important to have a Connecticut wine. And And this would be one to have. And how about going fishing or crabbing and then catch your own fluke and then have it with a Connecticut (laughs) wine in your backyard? Yeah, extreme locavore. Have your wine be local, too. Really fun. Grow some potatoes. Really fun. (laughs) Grow some potatoes. That's everything. <laughs> I've even woven my clothes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, for your arrival. Um, okay, so uh, here we go. I can't wait. Because we are egg fans on this show, we all have eggs for breakfast, lunch, or dinner. So we're going to take this very short break, and then we're going to come right back to you and talk about this book, The Perfect Omelette, by our special guest, John Finn. We call him Renaissance Guy. He did the um, Oxford Companion to Sweets. I mean, appeared in it and um, Gastronomica and Food Culture and Society. He lives in Simsbury, Connecticut. 
We're going to talk to him on the other side of this break and give you omelets and omelet recipes at our site that are going to make you swoon. The omelet from his book that I had just now is the single best, thanks also to Chris's cooking, single best omelet I have ever had. It was so salty and delicious Mm. and had the best flavor in it. So I can't wait to talk about all this. This is kind of a literary it, you this is bedside reading you know you just pick up this book and read it a couple chapters at night swoon about it's like food is pornography okay here we go um like alex is closing this up i'm pretty sure no one's told john me, that don't give me that image you're like, not actually helping faith yeah <laughs> I think I am, actually. (laughs) Okay, more mouth-watering conversation and fun ahead on the Faith Middleton Food Schmooze. I hope you will make a charitable contribution to Feed the Hungry. We're online now at foodschmooze.org, and we'll be right back. Listening to a rebroadcast of the Faith Middleton Food Schmooze. This show originally aired in 2017. Beans and cornbread. Beans and cornbread. Beans and cornbread. Beans and cornbread had a fight. Beans Beans knocked cornbread out of sight. Cornbread said, Now that's all right. Meet me on the corner tomorrow night. Hey, guess what you can do? You know how I say this when we come back from the first break as we go into our book, The Perfect Omelet. And that is that you can sign up for our free podcast, which is a copy of the show. If you've missed anything on the show, you want to go back to anything on the show, it arrives in your inbox. It's the coolest thing ever. You have a whole library of them. And it's so much easier because before the show started, Faith, and I shouldn't even be telling people, Faith was going through a drawer and she found receipts back a few years ago. People would have to send in a letter to request a tape of the show. And you said it was $15 and you had a stack. I had, I mean, (laughs) thousands of these receipts because they wanted to get a copy of a particular show. And now like a cassette, a cassette, a cassette came in and the mail we had posted. It was just unbelievable. The, the complication how, of it. How far and we've come. How far we, that's such a great point, Chris. Okay. Flip so the all tape. You, you just, <laughs> yeah. you did it go to the first break or second break? And then you flip. <laughs> okay. Use the pencil to roll it back yeah. in. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody what, below a certain age has no idea what you're talking, talking about. about. Yeah. Oh, it was amazing. We had sound effects like yeah. shoes and horses galloping. It was really something. Um, okay, so you just go to foodschmooze.org, and it just says sign up once. You put your information in, and that's it. 
I'm with my treasured food buddies, Chris Prosperi, chef and co-owner of Metro Beast Restaurant in Simsbury, Connecticut, wine broker Alex Province of Hartford, and our special guest, John E. Finn. He's author of The Perfect Omelette, Essential Recipes for the Home Cook. So officially, welcome to the Food Schmooze Party, John. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Oh, it's so nice to have you here. You live in Simsbury, Connecticut, and I want to talk first before we go to the actual omelet making. Your opening quote is Thomas Merton, and it is, We do not find the meaning of life by ourselves alone. We find it with another. Why that quote? For me, it captures two things. First, this is so corny, but um, it captures my lifetime with my spouse, Linda, who I couldn't have done anything without, and I can't imagine life without her. But it also has another meaning, and the other meaning is that for me, and I'm sure this is true for all of us, food is a communal activity. I'm perfectly content to be alone, perfectly content to eat an omelet alone. There's a story about Andy Warhol eating omelets alone. But push comes to shove, food is an expression, it's a communication, and that's part of the message I wanted. Yeah, tell me the Andy Warhol story. Well, Andy Warhol, I had no idea, but he created something called the Greta Garbo omelet. And it's a wonderful picture. It's classic Warhol. You'd know immediately that it was Warhol if you'd never seen it. But there are instructions underneath, and the instructions are always to be eaten alone, I think in a candlelit room or something. Uh-huh. And then wow. one day, somebody approached her and said, well, what do you know about omelets? She said, I know nothing about omelets. <laughs> there was actually no comparison whatsoever. <laughs> I, so just, just as a, a side point, Andy Warhol did a bunch of these. Not only did he collect those cookie jars, there is a lot of food in his work, the Campbell Soup can, obviously. You said but the hamburger one. He, yes, yes, yes. It, that's the film, Alex, and we posted it at one point. All he does as a performance piece, there's not a word in it. He just approaches the table, sits down, opens a bag, unwraps the hamburger, starts eating it. You watch him eat the hamburger, then he cleans up, and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> so I love that he did the Greta Garbo omelet and that, that you have this in here. Why did you decide to do this omelet book? I think it's wrestling with demons, um, my, my own personal demons, my mother in particular, who figures prominently in the book. My mother, I think, was determined to find the secret to a perfect omelet, and the fact that she could embarrass me along the way was just an added benefit. So she would, she would take me into restaurants. This happened on more than one occasion, and she would be intent upon going to these restaurants that specialized in omelets or that had reputations. I mean, she would disappear in the middle of a meal, and she'd sneak into the back of the kitchen. And I remember one event distinctly. I remember her being walked out of the kitchen, being held firmly at the elbow and being escorted out the door. And all I was thinking is, <laughs> I'm going to be arrested because I, I haven't got any way to pay for this meal. I'm just a child. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And I used to shrink at the table. I tried to be as small as I could. Um, I was going to a senior prom like so many of us did, and my mother refused to pay for the date because the restaurant I had chosen was apparently really bad at frittatas. And my mother, that, that was the killer for her. I mean, you can't go to a restaurant that doesn't have a decent frittata. I remember I had to take a part-time job. <laughs> for like three weeks to pay for to pay for this meal, which, you know, in my teenage entitled years, I thought, well, of course my parents should be paying for this. But my mother had what? principles. Right? Well, I was going to she had food principles. Standards. Exactly right. There's another quote in your book at the opening where you're doing your essay, which is so terrific. And it is Oscar Wilde who said, an egg is always an adventure. The next one may be different. 
depending on where you get your eggs, there is a difference. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Where do you get your eggs? I like to buy them right off the side of the road. So the, one of the great things about Simsbury and Granby and that oh, yeah. part of the state is you can just walk down or drive down the road and there'll be a, a hand-painted sign up there that says fresh eggs. And I love to try those. Yeah. But the most reliable, I'm sure you know, is, mm. and I can't pronounce it correctly, there's a correct way to do this, Flamig Farm. Flamig Farm. The famous for the having the eggs in reverse sign. Yes. And they have oh, beautiful yeah. eggs. They Hundreds have, of chickens. Yes. Yeah. Happy chickens. Too. And the, yes, it's 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 clear that this is a place that yeah. genuinely cares the about best. their birds. Are the yolks yeah. that nice saffron oh, color? Yeah. They have that kind of yeah. saffron orange color yeah. and they're so round and, and rich. Plump. Mm. I mean, the thing is, for people who don't really know or love eggs, it's worth sometimes taking mm. just an ordinary store-bought egg and taking a fresh egg and cracking them and people will know the difference immediately. It's really remarkable. Now, here's what they want to know. I might see the difference in terms of color. Can I taste the difference? Maybe this is what I want to believe, right? I mean, there's a whole mythology associated with this. But I genuinely do believe that you can taste the difference in fresh eggs. It can be subtle, but a really good fresh egg is so delicious. Let's go to your omelets. I, for one, don't think I make a very good omelet. And so I look at this book with the greatest interest to see what it is that I can do better. Even though when I make an omelet that's just okay, I enjoy it. Uh, but I see when I watch other people, I've certainly watched Jacques Pepin make an omelet. And, you know, Chris was making his omelet earlier. Chris it's just, it, it's a whole other thing. There's a, a bit of an art to it. So what, what would you say? What's the key? The key is good ingredients, right? I mean, because even if you're not especially skilled at making an omelet, really good ingredients cover just a host of sins. So that would be the most important thing. And the other is, this will sound a little corny too, but I think having respect for what it is you're doing more than anything else, that and fresh ingredients. What do you mean? Respect for ingredients means, for example, choosing the best you can get first. Um, and afford, yep. And afford, absolutely, right. Um, and let's be honest about it. Fresh eggs are actually more expensive. You're going to pay a premium for them. It builds into the wine discussion we were having earlier. Maybe you treasure them more, though. That's precisely it, right? I mean, they're more value to you, so you're not just going to throw them around. Yeah. But it also means, and this is a point I try to stress in the book, when you're cooking, this is true, I think, for all cooking, although I'd be interested in hearing whether Chris agrees or whether any of you agree. I think paying attention to what you're doing It is so easy to be distracted. There are so many things that compete for our time and our attention. An omelet isn't a whole lot of investment, right? It's only five minutes of your time, 10 minutes if you're doing something truly spectacular. It's worth taking the time to concentrate on just doing the omelet. A hundred percent. I think because it's such a simple thing, it's such an inexpensive thing that people I talk to that have trouble making it, they're like, I'm just going to, I'm just going to make an omelet. I never just make an omelet. And you too, right? An omelet is an amazing thing. Enjoying the process. Yeah. And and really watch what's happening in the pan and be there. Would you all brainstorm with me? Because I can tell you what my number one mistake is after we focus on a couple of recipes. I want to get to and we have this at our site, foodschmooze.org. We just had it. Chris made it for us, and it was so delicious. It's the prosciutto, parmesan, and rosemary omelet. Oh, it was perfectly made, and the flavors that it has you have everything. chosen for this. Mm-hmm. It has flavor. It oh, has a little texture, texture. With, the, with the twill. It has, I oh, mean, it's the perfect It really let's is Let's say what this omelet. is. Okay, so it has a little, it's optional, but it's a little a Parmesan twill, which is a thin 
all cheese cracker that you just fry, grate some cheese, fry it up in a pan, and you're done. It becomes a cracker. Make a sandwich out of it. <laughs> it's so wonderful in terms of texture with the egg. And they're okay. so addictive. <laughs> Once yeah. you start eating them, you can't stop. Yeah, try eating one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was really looking around to see where they're... Um, so you can uh, eat that? <laughs> couple eggs, water, chopped fresh rosemary. Uh, I would say careful not to overdo that. Salt and black pepper, unsalted butter, a couple ounces of prosciutto that you roughly chop up, and some shaved Parmigiano-Reggiano, and uh, you can have this little cheese cracker on the side. So there are the ingredients. There's nothing wildly exotic about that. How does it come together for you? Take us through it step by step, John. For me, again, the first most important thing is making sure you have all your ingredients ready because an omelet goes so quickly. The last thing you want to be doing is hunting around trying to find something because it's all going to go to pot if you have to go run to the fridge to get something. So step one, here's what's interesting. You preheat an eight or a nine inch skillet on medium or medium to high heat with nothing in it. Is it a dry pan? I start with the dry pan, and then we'll usually add, for this omelet, I think I say butter, but I, but but olive oil is fine, too. In fact, I find for most of my omelets, except for dessert omelets, I end up using olive oil or a combination of olive oil and butter. But probably more than anything else, the temperature of the pan is going to be critical to making a successful omelet. And it's not an exact science, right? None of it's an exact science, but... But if you do it enough, you'll learn exactly where the point is. I like to think that the butter should just be beginning to make some noise. You want to see it bubble. You want to hear it sizzle. It's not the end of the world if you do it too much. You can you can do a lot with brown butter, right? Uh, but yeah. once it burns, there's nothing you when, can do with when it. When no one was looking, the one omelet I made for one of the producers here, right? Alex yeah. was talking to me, and I lost what I was <laughs> doing, did. and it went to brown. But it was – she still – she didn't even notice. <laughs> she she yeah. loved the omelet, but yeah. a little brown butter doesn't hurt. No, 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 not at all. Now, yeah, here's the next all. thing. In the next step, so we preheated the skillet. While that skillet is preheating, you are whisking together the eggs, rosemary, salt, and pepper. You're using a fork to do this. And then a little touch of water. Is there a science reason for this? There's supposed to be anyway, right? I mean, I... Loosens it up, right? Yeah, Yeah. and it it also... The steam. The steam. Uh, Yeah, it helps cook it softer, right? And it it more airy. Yeah, and more airy. So imagine this. Your skillet is heating. You've got a fork and you're zipping, you know, with the eggs, the water, the rosemary, the salt and pepper until it's combined. Now you just plop a little bit of butter in that skillet, swirl it to coat the pan, and it starts sizzling, as John just told us. And now you add that egg mixture and you swirl it in the pan. You know, there are so many different theories about how to do omelets, but I tend to go with the swirl and the fork. So that it covers the whole bottom. So that it covers the whole bottom. And then then what? You let it sit? uh, Well, I prefer to let it sit just for a couple Mm -hmm. of seconds. I mean, I know there are people who immediately want to start with the fork or the shaking of the pan. Just uh-huh. let it sit for okay, a couple of seconds. Okay, you said 10 seconds. Maybe yeah. 10 seconds or so. Again, yeah. right. depending on where you have the heat, you have no. to sort of adjust it by size. Here it goes. This is the part, right? This All is right. the part. You so you're holding the handle of the pan, and you're using a rubber spatula or a wooden one, and you pull the uncooked egg. This one, I would say I would take that spatula or the fork, and I would probably move around the compass, moving the un- uncooked part of the egg to the center yeah. of the pan and pulling. just pulling it. That's exactly pushing right. It. So it's sitting there for about 10 seconds. And it's set a little. That's the on other the thing. On the bottom. Yeah, yeah, it's set a little bit on the bottom. And you'll see now, it, as Alex said. You'll see yeah. around the side. You'll know that it's setting because the sides will just begin to firm up. What are we doing with that? the raw top? The trick is to move the uncooked egg 
to a place where it can cook. And you can do it with a fork, you can swirl the pan, there are lots of different approaches. But the trick is to keep the egg moving in the pan so that the cooked egg moves out and the uncooked egg moves usually towards the center of the pan where it's going to be a little bit hotter. This happens with remarkable speed. It should be done in a minute or two. But you've only got two eggs, maybe a maximum of three, and you don't need to rush this along. The two or three minutes sounds like it's hurried and it's rushed, but it's not. You start by letting it sit, and as you see the egg begin to cook, you move the uncooked egg around. It's very simple. Okay. This is where you add the prosciutto and the cheese in the center of the egg. I find that one of the common mistakes, the most common mistakes, is trying to cook all of this stuff at the same time. Let the eggs take the form. Let them get settled. Let them begin to look like an omelet. One thing that most Americans at least tend to do is to just throw it all in the pot at the same time or in the pan at the same time. That that strikes me as being a a real recipe for disaster. Mm -hmm. And also putting too much cheese in, this is a real pet peeve of mine. You don't need a lot of cheese in an omelet. You only need a little bit of cheese in an omelet. You know you're wrong. (laughs) (laughs) I've been influenced by my daughter, one of my daughters who absolutely hates cheese. But but too much cheese actually changes the texture of the egg. It makes it much harder to cook the egg, actually. So if you're going to add it, let the eggs sit for a while. Okay, so now we come to use that spatula, and you're going to fold the omelet in half, moving from the outside of the pan to the inside. You're going to flip it over one half. What do we do at this point? Do we let it sit cooking on one side now that it's folded over? Do we flip it over? Well, what this we... sort of depends on your philosophy, right? But traditionally, you wouldn't let it sit in the pan. You want to move it out of the pan, and it should a very nice kind of almost like the shape of your hand. So if you hold Was your hand... Was it soft on the inside when be, I flipped it? It should still be soft, yes. But again, this is a matter is of preference, cook? right? Not over. It, it, it shouldn't have any color. It should be perfectly pale, and it should be, as the French say, yeah. bavouze, yeah. runny in the middle. Yeah. In my experience, too many Americans really are not crazy about that. They want it to yeah. sit in the pan, as you suggested, give it some color. I think those omelets tend to be kind of dry and sticky, but it's just a question of preference. I don't think there's a right or wrong... So if you like it crispy, it's just it's the same procedure, just a little bit longer. Just let it sit. So yeah. these are the steps. Of course, John does a great job in the book of not only giving you all kinds of omelet recipes, but he does a great job of explaining how to make an omelet just as we're doing on the show. And on the other side of this break coming up, I'm going to tell you about my main mistake. There are so many when I cook omelets. And we're going to see if John can help me out with that. If you want to tell us about a trick when you make omelets that you think leads to your success, wow, would we love to hear it. Or some recipe you use, what do you put in your omelets? Let's do some omelet talk on Facebook. Okay, that's on Faith Middleton Food Schmooze. We love the local. Please support your local food growers and food makers. And we'll be right back. listening to a rebroadcast of the Faith Middleton Food Schmooze. This show originally aired in 2017. I'm putting all my eggs in one basket. 
This is the Food Schmooze Party offering the richness of life and coming to you in Connecticut, Rhode Island, Massachusetts, and New York, including Westchester County, the east end of Long Island, the Hamptons. The senior producer is Robin Doyon Aiken, and to hear the show on WNPR, it airs Thursdays at 3, and of course you can get the podcast, but here's what we want to say to you to get this conversation going on Facebook We are blown away by the kinds of eggs in our region. We want to know from you, where are you getting local eggs? Or if you're doing the farm, let people know. Our address on Facebook is Faith Middleton Fuchmoos. Can't wait to hear from you about that. Our special guest is John Finn. Recipes from him and the book, plus information about the book, online right now at foodschmooze.org. The book is called The Perfect Omelet. This Persian eggplant omelet is a knockout. I know the Persian flavors because I love Persian food, but go ahead. What makes this Persian? Well, I'm not really sure what makes it Persian on some level, right? I mean, there's so much exchange, so much borrowing between all of these cuisines. One of the things I learned trying to do the research was that there's real uncertainty about where the omelet comes from in its initial sort of origins, right? I mean, everybody seems to agree that the first omelets were Roman, but from that point on, some of us think the trail goes through France, and everybody thinks France has the iconic omelet. But, but there's a really good argument to be made that the original omelet is really more of a Persian, Middle Eastern kind of concoction. And it's largely a question about using spices. Um, Oftentimes, the Persian omelets are a little bit thinner. Uh, They use less eggs or they're cooked in a larger pan, so it appears that the omelet itself is thinner. But traditional ingredients would be heavy with herbs of one sort or another, and local meats or local vegetables. Eggplant, of course, appears throughout all So in your recipe, eggplant, chopped onion, Mm. sliced zucchini, olive oil, ground turmeric, ground cinnamon, Mm. fresh leaf parsley, butter or olive oil, mint or basil for for garnish. So you can see those flavors. And I would probably use all of those (laughs) and more. I mean, if I had, I would simply go to the market again and whatever fresh herbs are there. Yard and all the mint. Yeah. So can, yes, yeah. this this is a wild thing. One day I didn't have too much in the refrigerator, and I was trying to put something in my omelet, and I tossed in Kalamata olives, and oh. what a combination! Nice, salty, briny, that yeah. turns out to be oh, Kalamata olives. I bet in, capers would work too. Yeah, capers would be. Right. Nice. Oh, yeah. So man. experiment with your yeah. eggs and see what a meal this can That's be. Good. I take from John that so many cultures use eggs. I mean, we see that the Chinese egg foo young. We see the Spanish doing frittata. We see the Italians, the French. I wonder what the Africans do. Well, there are going to be regional differences, but particularly around the Middle East, say Tunisia, Morocco, those sorts of areas, they're going to be very traditional ijas. I mean, they'll be heavy on the herbs. I've been told that in South Africa, chicken omelets are especially popular. Yeah, I'm, I'm acting I'm, like Africa is one little place. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. So, so gigantic, yeah, it's ridiculous. Uh, 
I'm thinking uh, like an ostrich omelet. <laughs> like a big one. Well, you can make omelets out of ostrich eggs, and yeah. it's going to be a big omelet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hope you're hungry. Yeah. I'm crazy about duck eggs. Oh, duck eggs. And yeah. this yeah. shell is as hard oh. as iron. I mean, you really practically need a hammer to get inside it. What's but it, a richer what? taste? Uh, yes, yeah. richer yeah. and gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah. Really just gorgeous. So luscious. Okay, yeah. so we have this at our website, how to make this Persian eggplant omelet. It's no harder than the last one. We're mm. talking about... These ingredients that you saute the eggplant, onion, zucchini, a little salt and pepper, olive oil, add the turmeric and the cinnamon and stir it around a little bit so everything gets incorporated. Then you stir up your eggs and parsley and water and salt and pepper and then pour it over this stuff that's in the pan. And there you go. You've Mm. got an omelet. You know, you could add potatoes if you want. If it's a main meal, you could add other vegetables. Play with your omelet. Play with your omelet. Tell us where you get your local eggs. And if you think they are different, I certainly get a million eggs from the supermarket. Those are good, too. So they're perfectly fine. But farm stand eggs, there's something about them when they're local eggs or that little sign on the side of the road, right? Honor system. Yeah. Drop off a couple dollars. I have to make sure you have money, though. A wallet with cash in it. That's true. (laughs) Okay, can we brainstorm to help me make a better omelet? Because my omelet's not so great. I mix up the eggs and stuff, and I do the mistake of putting all the ingredients in at once, including the prosciutto and the cheese olives, and, and everything goes in at once. No, I do the cheese at the last okay. minute, <laughs> and too much of it on purpose. <laughs> so that's one mistake I've learned on that from all of you. Next thing, when I'm trying to clear the top of the raw egg and the bottom is cooking, I'm pushing it toward the sides of the pan and lifting up the edge of the cooked omelet so that it can slide under and keeps cooking. Okay, so fine. Not the worst thing in the world. Mm -hmm. Now it's time for me to flip over half my omelet. I'm waiting too long for it not to be so wet on the top because I'm afraid it's going to be too runny when I try to eat it. So you have a frisbee? Mistake number three. Yeah. You have a frisbee. <laughs> so number four, what happens is I flip it over, and it's too brown. It's too brown. It's not scorched. noxiously brown. Oh, no, it's not scorched. It's just brown. Yeah. You know, And I don't think you want your omelet to be brown that way. No? Some Maybe? people like Some it. Some people yeah. do. Yeah. Like I, I said, that's a preference. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, and just before I flip it, I put the cheese in mm-hmm. there inside. so that it starts to melt on the inside. And my friend, Tom Chauvin who lives in Simsbury, he sprinkles a little on the outside so that it gets Ooh. a little cheese crust. He well, flips it a couple extra yeah, times. Yeah, that's not a bad Gets idea. a little I crusted cheese yeah. on it. You like it? Yeah, what it. kind of yeah. cheese, Faith? Oh, I use all kinds of cheese. Lots and lots of feta. Parmigiano-Reggiano. Gruyere would be a favorite. Mm. Does anyone ever use just American cheese? Sure. I don't. Is, I do. is it good? Yeah. yeah. Oh, totally. Ham and yeah. cheese. I make thin, <laughs> slice, thin slices of American ham yeah. and thin yeah. slices of American cheese, and you put that. I don't put it in it. I just put it like a On sandwich. Yeah. It makes yeah. a great omelet. Yeah. Mm. I don't put it in an omelet, but I do use American cheese for scrambled eggs. Oh, that's oh, good, too. Okay. Put it on top. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's know, a good idea. It just idea melts too. really well. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah. does, yeah. I mean, it, yeah. It's perfect. Designed to melt. And, you know, it really doesn't matter if it's not cheese. No. I think if you're going 
going to a diner and you order a basic omelet, like you an American, American cheese. Yeah, and I would expect mm-hmm. a triangle over the yep. top, slightly yeah. melted, right? Yeah. You know, otherwise, you, it just doesn't look right You take right a cheese me. slice and you fold it you corner fold it to corner, half, and then you right. have or your little triangle. It just triangle. stays the way yeah. it is when you put it in the... <laughs> yeah, I don't want to think about why See, that the, is. The gri- <laughs> yeah. That's the, the diner omelet's a griddled omelet, which is, again, yes. a totally, totally different because they're rolling thing, it. Yeah, yeah, and, and yeah. they're making it on a flat top, yeah. and it's a totally different animal. I love that That's one, too. That's how mine comes yeah, out. Yeah, but there's it nothing wrong like with that. that. There's, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. I mean, yeah. There's, um, there are certain <laughs> Saturday, no, Sunday mornings, that's what you have to have. This is like Saturday Night Live. There's nothing wrong with that. Cheeseburger, cheeseburger, cheeseburger. Omelet, 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 right? John said it before. I mean, there's really no way to totally mess this up. I only think if you burn right? it, if you, if if you, you burn. overcook yeah, it, then yeah. it's not fun. Yeah. This is making me excited about just playing. And I don't care if I make mistakes. Suddenly you've, you've given me that idea. Yeah. So what? I'm going to put extra cheese on the outside so that it gets all that the way a croque monsieur or a croque mm. madame oh, gets yeah. or yeah. grilled cheese at Shady Glen. Sure. I mean, when they do the, the mm. cheeseburger oh, the cheese and it gets all crispy. <laughs> I want it uh-huh. to be really crispy. That yeah. would be really fun. And you might have wild ideas. I mean, what if we added some crispy texture to the outside of the omelet, Chris? John, is there a way to panko it? Put it under the broiler. After the omelet is done. The irony. No, I was thinking after the omelet's done, the irony is what we take the cooked omelet and we dip it in egg. Oh, and deep fry it. Uh, I wonder why we haven't seen that at state fairs, right? On a stick. On a stick. (laughs) Deep fried omelet on a stick. You, you can may split have the royalties just, on that seriously, one. Seriously, you may have just created something. <laughs> like with, something. with bacon, with a strip Leave of bacon. It yeah, it's got to have bacon. And a glazed donut. <laughs> a glazed donut on the top, right? <laughs> that's it. I think the that's it. Omelet. That is the pinnacle of omelet, though. It can't be tough. <laughs> so I think you need chorizo and the oil. And if you just take olive oil, add some chorizo pieces to it, and then it turns beautiful orange, and then yeah, I'd use that what back yeah, to like cook well, my... Well, yeah. in Spain, I did that, in Spain uh, and mm. Italy, their omelets, the frittata, or the yeah. torta, and it's open, Tortilla right? It's flat. Right? It's, yeah, flat. Yeah, it's, yeah, not, yeah. it's not yeah. a folded omelet, but yeah. it's still an omelet, right? Oh, yeah, it's still, still an omelet. omelet. When you do that Spanish omelet, the, the tortilla, the tortilla do, is the potato pre-cooked? Yes, yeah, it's yeah, usually. So it's steamed. So that's the first thing that goes in the pan with some olive oil. I cover it and let it become soft. And water, or just plain olive oil? No, just plain olive oil. Let it become and soft. And then that goes to the side. And then you do your onions as well, similar. So it's all soft. And then into your beaded eggs, you temper oh. them with a the hot potato oh. so you don't, you know, scramble them. Oh. And then that goes into a pan. My mom makes the best tortillas when you're oh, that with an icy God. cold beer. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that works. Yeah, that's, oh. that's a perfect or summer this, meal. Or this Jonathan yeah. Edwards Chardonnay with it was really good, I have to say. Well... The Perfect Omelette is the name of the book. John Finn, who lives in Simsbury, Connecticut, is the author of the book. He was also a professor of government at Wesleyan University and has become, or maybe always has been, a food guy, loves food history, and knows what's delicious. There is a recipe here for a sweet omelette with rum sauce. John, yeah, you're waving your hands like, whoa. It's my favorite omelette. It's dessert, right? It is dessert. It's intended to be a dessert omelet, yes. Although I eat them at breakfast. <laughs> yeah, so, sure. Or lunch, especially. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, if people are going to have yeah. coffee cake, what's yeah. the difference? So uh, a couple eggs, some rum, cream of tartar, sugar, salt, butter, and then the rum sauce, which is brown sugar, butter, heavy cream, and rum. Yes. And the one thing I would say, it's really critically important how you garnish this omelet. So you need to go to a store that still sells the old-fashioned butter rum lifesavers. 
You really? crush them and you garnish them with the lifesavers. It's just to die for. Oh my God! Crunchy. <laughs> Wait a second. They're, yeah, oh, I love them. Take okay. a hammer and crush them, or crush them with a with a wine bottle, right? Yeah. Or the rum yeah. bottle. Yeah. Oh so there's God. your crust. Yeah. It's wow. it's certainly not there's a traditional your... <laughs> traditional wow. garnish, but I love Would it. Would you be able to put some toasted coconut on top? Oh, absolutely. Yes. yes really? Yes. Oh my goodness. Yeah. This is or some little pineapple. Oh, oh, pineapple. This is really this idea of the sweet omelet. Is really got me. I, really, what fun as it's a like dessert. A Normally, if you're making a dessert at home for people, let's say a coffee cake, this isn't outrageous. The eggs are already baked inside. The difference here is you can see yeah. the egg. I would urge people to try one of the chocolate omelets. The yeah, chocolate I was just looking yeah. through the book. Like, yeah. Oh, my God. Like so the there's custard. a chocolate, chocolate souffle omelet. Mm-hmm. So you melt the chocolate, or you could use cocoa powder, which I guess actually in the Basque region of Spain is how they do this. They'll use cocoa powder. But the French, of course, are going to use the melted chocolate. And you put it in the egg yolks, and then you combine the yolks with the whipped whites. And it's like a souffle. It's yeah. like a souffle. It's yeah. a souffle omelet. Yeah. I start it in the pan, yeah. and then you yeah. stick it in the oven for seven minutes, eight minutes or so. Wow. And oh. it puffs up like a souffle. Oh. And you won't believe this. It tastes like chocolate cake, like a flourless Cake. Why Amazing. didn't we make that today? <laughs> Can we still make that today? Well, wow. I mean, you could do the whole thing in 15 minutes. and that's So you'd make that for your guests? You I just oh. I made that actually yesterday at my culinary school. I was doing yeah. a culinary demonstration. Yeah. Right? And there was so omelet. much sort of apprehension about it. And it was wonderful. I, well, I liked it. John Finn lives in Simsbury, Connecticut. He is a real food guy, food historian, government historian, actually, also. <laughs> And these are some fantastic ideas for savory and sweet omelets, including this chocolate souffle omelet at foochmoose.org. That's Valentine's uh, Day breakfast, I think. It, it really, in for bed. me, it's like every... <laughs> I thought we said lunch, too. Every weekend, I'd be making this. What a good idea. You know, it's just the basic version. You can add coffee to it. I like to add espresso to it. Almond. Wow. I mean, can you do individual a, ones for people at a dinner party? If you had like yeah. little cute little. It's only two eggs. So it's a but, souffle. Yeah, it, it's only two <laughs> eggs, but I think a two egg souffle or omelet is, is more than enough for two people. I fold them over. It's a little complicated okay. to fold a souffle yeah, omelet, as you can say. imagine. But if you serve it open faced, then you can just cut off pieces, right? It's yeah. like cutting mm. a pizza, actually, and it's but, very easy to but, serve. Any powdered sugar? Let me, yes, powdered sugar. Right. Yeah. Let me just say that some of his dessert omelets are the simple jam omelet with fruit. A souffle omelet with pears and pecans, a sweet omelet with candied walnuts, mm. uh, one with sugared strawberries, a coffee souffle omelet, the friar's omelet. This is a Scottish dish. This is a this very is old from Scottish my people. Dish. Yes, it's okay. a very old Scottish dish. So this has apples and butter and sugar and nutmeg and cinnamon. This is very much like an apple pie omelet, mm. right? Yeah. When you say? Yeah. yeah. So, is this <laughs> so good. I just it brings, it, it brings it to a new place yeah. for me because I've never had a dessert omelet, nor have I ever me thought too. about it. You never even think me of that. Too. No. So thank you. Thank you for this whole book, oh, by the way. Oh, thank you. I'm... It's wonderful to talk with you about all this. Thank you. You're, this has been so you're much You're a great fun. guy. This is John Finn of Simsbury, Connecticut. His book is The Perfect Omelet, information online, plus all the recipes we talked about on the show. They're up there at foodschmooze.org. Don't forget, on Facebook, please tell us, where are you getting your local eggs? And if you have some tricks or special things you put in omelets, we want to hear it. On Facebook, we are Faith Middleton Food Schmooze. That's how you find us. Love everybody here on the show. And you. We're on WNPR Thursdays at 3. Never eat more than you can lift. In New Haven, I'm Faith Middleton.
Mar.